I haven't had an earring in a long time. <laughs> As my daughters get older, they discover new things about my young life. And uh, it's quite, I don't know how do they come up with all the stuff they find out about me, but they find out a lot of things about me. Because I, wasn't, I didn't, wasn't born in a Christian home. I didn't uh, attend church. Uh, when the Lord saved me, He saved me from a life of sin. I wasn't a, a down and outer. I was an up and outer. Well, maybe I wasn't an up and outer. I wasn't quite like a, a Paris Hilton or something like that. But uh, I spent a lot of money foolishly. I wasted a lot of money. Uh, wasted a lot of time. I wasted a lot of talents. But we'd like to tell a little bit of the story of the grace of God this evening. And I want to read from three places in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take it uh, with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto a heathen as thee. Oh, I'm sorry, I should have skipped down. Maybe verse 20. Uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And in chapter 28, in the Great Commission, it says, And Jesus came and said unto them, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. There's a lot of themes in the Gospel of Matthew, and one of them is, is God really there? Is God really with us? It's one of the, the themes in the verses I read. It started in the beginning with the birth of Jesus, right before they announced they would call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, they said, you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And that was the first thing I had to learn about God. That God is a holy God. And he doesn't diminish his holiness ever. Just like he doesn't ever diminish his love. Some people think that it's sort of like a balancing act, that there's a, 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 a pivot point in the middle, and, and sometimes God is more love, and sometimes He's more holy. But it's precisely that God is holy that He can be love at the same time. And it's precisely because God is love that He can be holy. It, the two can't exist apart from one another. What? What do you mean? Well, imagine, I don't know who this fellow is, but imagine he was kidnapped and killed. Now, this, I'm not a prophet or anything like that. I'm not having a vision here in front. 
and I'm not wishing any horrible acts upon him. But what would his parents ask for? Justice? Righteousness? Why would they ask for justice and righteousness? Because of their love. And because God loves you and because he loves me, he demands justice and righteousness. And as Joe was explaining this morning, uh, some of you were here to listen to it, um, all the difficulties in our world started with one sin. We read about Adam. We only read about Adam ever doing one sin. How many sins have you done? How many sins have I done? Way more than one. And if everything started from one, how big a snowball did I put into effect? Because of my sin. And sometimes we think of sin as, well, other people's sin. What's the greatest sin you could possibly do and be forgiven for it? Oh, I don't know. It's prostitution. It's murder, mass murder. Adolf Hitler, he was a bad dude. and He's, he's going to get judged pretty hard. Uh, this fellow over there in Syria, he's Assad. He's going to get judged pretty hard. <coughs> Ayatollah Khomeini, Osama bin Laden, they're all pretty bad men. Genghis Khan, we can go through history, and Joseph Stalin, and Mao Zedong, and, and we can go through. But you know, they could all be forgiven if they trusted in Jesus. But what's the worst sin you and I can ever do? Well, a young man was talking to Jesus one day, and, and he asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Do you remember that? So if that's the greatest commandment, what do you suppose the greatest sin would be? Not loving God with all your heart. Not loving him with all your soul. Not loving him with all your mind. Not loving him with all your strength. Because it's pretty easy for me to say... I'm not a drug addict. I used drugs, but I was never an addict. I used alcohol, but I was never a drunk. It's easy sometimes to say those bad sins are on other people, but the greatest commandment says love God with everything. And so when you don't love God with everything, that puts you in the category of biggest sinner. That's why Paul would say, of whom... I am Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Even all his righteousness, all his letters after his name were love dung to him. They didn't serve him to help him get to heaven for nothing. His name, his family, his citizenship, nothing helped him except the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day I had to come to the learning of that. And that was my problem. I sinned. Now what? And I found out that Emmanuel came. God with us. Because he's the only one that could save me from my sin. And the Lord saved me. I, a brother was preaching from John 3.16. And the way he preached it, you had it memorized by the time he was done. That's just the way he preached. Word by word 
phrase by phrase, just going through the verse. And, and whether you liked it or not, you had it memorized. And the Lord knows I didn't want to memorize any Bible verses. But I had one memorized. A month and a half later, there was a brother, one of the elders in the assembly, who was preaching from John 15. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and that shall be given to you. And he emphasized the fact that salvation is something you have to choose. It just doesn't come automatic. You have to choose to receive it. Christ has paid the price, but you need to receive it. Now I had, remember if his word abides in me, I had that verse memorized. I didn't want to, but it was. And his word was abiding in me, but I wasn't abiding in him. And a week later, beside my bed, all by myself, the Holy Spirit dealt with me, and I received Jesus as my Savior. And he forgave my sin. It was a small assembly I was saved at. Five people would be there on Wednesday night prayer meeting. And they would often use that verse, and I know it's a little bit out of context, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And they were a happy group, and, and we studied the Bible together. When I got saved, they were going through the tabernacle in Exodus, and they were saying the gold stands for the deity, and the wood stands for the humanity, and the silver stands for redemption, and blue stands for the heavens, and purple stands for the majesty, and where'd you get that from? Slow down a bit. I only been saved like a day. And they were wise elders and teachers in that assembly. And they wouldn't tell me the exact answer, but they would say, go read this part of the Bible and go read that part of the Bible. And so I'd read this part of the Bible and that part of the Bible, and I'd come up with all the answers to my questions. And that began my life of Bible study. And then 20 years ago, the Lord called me to go to Mexico. And he says, lo, I am with you all the way, even to the end of the world. And so I went. And sometimes when you go to the end of the world, you, you give up a lot. I used to be a pharmacist. And those first years after I left, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I used all my retirement money. I was 30. I had about $20,000 or something, and I spent it all on the Lord's work in Mexico. Uh, and I, I gave up a job that 20 years ago was paying $40 an hour. My parents didn't, would always bring these newspapers. They still want pharmacists in Canada, you know. And now they make about $80 an hour. And give that up to serve the Lord. And he asked the question, will, and maybe they ask you the question, will God be with you? And the answer is, God is with you. When you do spiritual work, he is always with you. Hudson Taylor would say, God's work done God's way would always have God's supply. Uh, three years ago, our youngest daughter, Allison, when we were in Mexico, had a brain aneurysm. And uh, she was in the hospital for approximately three months in ICU for over half of that. And she didn't have medical insurance. 
She had six surgeries while she was in Mexico. It left her blind, and when she came out of the hospital, she was a vegetable. She couldn't sit. She couldn't hold her head up. She couldn't control her arms and her legs. She couldn't think even. And the Lord has brought her back. We left the hospital owing nothing. And I could tell you story after story how strange things happened that are just unexplainable without God being there. Uh, my wife worked an awful lot with her in physiotherapy. She probably did 10 to 12 hours of physiotherapy a day with her. And I took over kitchen duties and she took over physiotherapy duties. And in by she, probably three months she was starting to stand again uh, from a position of not being there. The <coughs> Lord did everything. And he asked the question, is God there? He promised he would be there. And my time is up. And if you want to ask questions about God being there for me and my family, we'll be happy to answer your questions after Ken's done. The Lord bless you.